Our scripture reading is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciple returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O oh Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. First, might I say in the infamous words of Billy Crystal, you look marvelous. <laughs> it's great to have you here this morning. What a delight to have family and friends gathered this morning. And I know you'd like to take a moment and appreciate the great music this morning from our choir, the altar arrangements, all the flowers that the worshipist team has made, 
and our communion stewards. They will have been on their fourth service by the end of this morning, so they have been in service to you and our Lord. Thank you all. In the 1950s and 60s, religion in this country was in its heyday. There was a pattern almost all of us followed, or at least it looked that way. We woke up on Sunday morning, got into our very best, went to Sunday school and church, and topped it off with a hearty lunch probably at grandmother's. If you were new in town, you quickly found a respectable church and sometime within those first few months of settling in, you went to a new members class. There you made sure that you understood what those Methodists or Catholics or Presbyterians really believed. At the end of the class, then, you confess that you believed the same kind of things, and then you became a member. That's when you belonged. But in that scheme of time, there were things you were figuring out. How you're supposed to behave. What you're supposed to wear and not wear where to sit so you didn't sit in a saint's spot. <laughs> when to get up, when to get down, which book to open, and all of those things that folks do without stuff in front of them, the things we think, sing and say. Then it came time to finally join. You were a member at that point and officially belonged. You believed, you began to behave accordingly, and then to belong. That was the pattern. It was pretty effective, but I want us to understand and pay attention to our scriptures this morning. For Jesus operated in reverse. Jesus transformed people who were often confused, even dubious in character, into disciples by making sure that they belonged first. Therefore, our series for the Easter season is Belong, Believe, and then, excuse me, Belong, Begin, and then believe. There is a reason to start with belonging. It's because Jesus always made us belong from the beginning. Who belongs? Well, you and I do. Now, belonging is often a rather complicated question in this country and in our culture. Does this group belong to our country or does that group need to come in? It's become kind of a big, hairy question. Do certain types of people belong in my family, in my church, or next door to me as a neighbor? 
Do your politics belong in my business or in my personal expressions and beliefs? On March 10th, there was a conference, the first one of its kind, by the Indigenous Peoples Law and Policy Program of the James Rogers College of Law and the Department of American Indian Studies. Apparently, they've not gotten together before to discuss the recent trends in Indian country dealing with citizenship and community belonging. They are disenrolling people in great numbers. In fact, over the last few years, 9,000 people have been kicked out of 80 different tribes. This conference is designed to address the sensitive issues that surround heredity and cultural right as it comes to participating as a Native American or an Aboriginal within community. And if you belong, then what are your responsibilities? I don't know about you, but that seems pretty touchy. I chuckled when I read in the article of New York Times that the organizers said this, it is our hope that an atmosphere of respect, understanding, listening, and learning will be fostered and that our gathering will promote utmost dignity. They're expecting fighting words, that's what that means. A whole lot of the world suggests to us that you have to figure out if you have the right stuff or if you are the right stuff before you are invited to meet the criteria in order to belong. Belonging, however, my friends, is what Jesus did first and always, as his most consistent message. Remember that at the Sermon on the Mount, before it begins, all of the children are around and pestering Jesus, at least that's what the disciples think, and they're trying to get him to leave, and Jesus says, no, no, no. Let the children come to me. They belong. During that Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They own the place. Jesus will heal the sick. He'll cure the blind. He will talk to strange women at the well, and he will belong to them as well. Thomas is going to come around. Wondering if Christ was risen because he wasn't there when the others said so. And Christ will come back for his witness alone. With compassion, those who question belong. Do you remember that Judas was at the very last supper? And the scriptures indicate to us that he knew, Jesus knew that he was about to betray him and he fed him anyway. Even Judas belonged nonetheless. 
Ten days ago, a good friend, only 42 years of age, died of unknown causes. It's probably heart-related. He'll be buried next Sunday afternoon. And his service will celebrate the fact that he belongs to. Belonging is what Jesus gave to us as gift. It's never been about whether or not you and I understand it, comprehend it, or can explain it. It is God's gift to us that we belong. It's the same gift that was applied on Easter morning. The scriptures say that it was the first day of the week. It was Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb. She goes alone in John, and she goes while it's dark. The commentators suggest that the darkness of the hour implies the darkness or lack of understanding we might have in the face of resurrection's mystery. Could it be that John's story of the resurrection happens while it's still dark? Because so are we in the dark. And here there aren't women coming to anoint the body because in John, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus have already done it. She comes to mourn. When she arrives and finds the stone rolled away, she's scared to death that someone has taken his body and Simon Peter and the beloved disciple get on their feet and run. No amount of time with Jesus has changed their understanding of what's just happened at his death. A foot race ensues, and John gets there before Peter, but he doesn't dare go in. Peter gets there, and he goes in first, and the grave claws are separated. Deduction tells them that, oh, this was no grave robber. A grave robber would have taken their clothes. Finally, John the Beloved goes in and he sees them separated and he realizes something incredible has happened. But even then the scriptures say he doesn't quite get it. Did you notice that when they are done examining the tomb, they go home? They go home after the resurrection? Mary is greeted by two angels. Clearly, her view has not changed because she even says, two angels, where'd you put him? (laughs) You know, it's all over the place. She sees Jesus and perceives him to be the gardener. He's so kind. When she says, help me find the body, he whispers with her back turned, Mary. All of the characters in that story belong to. 
Jesus has so much compassion for understanding us as human beings that we don't need to belong first. We don't need to believe everything. We just got to belong and the rest is going to come. If we look at Mary and the disciples responding to the first resurrection at Easter, that, just understand, they'd spent years with this man. They'd walked with him, listened to him, watched him heal. And most of all, they had heard Jesus speak of the trials that would come. Jesus has those many moments in the scripture where he says, read my beak, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna be tried and three days I'm gonna be crucified, dead and raised. And they don't get it. In fact, when the crucifixion happens, they all scatter, the chaos starts. Some run, some hide. Some even lie. That's what happens when we're scared. What we know from this story is that the people who were supposed to be in the know don't really have a clue. And I'm here this morning to tell you that's good news. If you're sitting here this Easter morning and not exactly sure what to believe, not exactly sure how you're supposed to feel or behave, you are in the perfect spot. You belong. You belong to the heart of God. You are heirs of the Easter promise, and it does not matter if you're sure about it, even if you know what to do with it. This Easter promise belongs to you because God knows your name and cares enough to speak it. I love these three because we're all in them. We are the Johns who see the grave clothes neatly folded and placed away and we believe something but who knows what. We are the Peters, seeing the same thing that indicates that something has happened, but we don't say a peep. What do we do now? We are the Marys who are surprised into believing by hearing the sounds of our names. We are in these characters. Now understand, John could have written a less complicated story. It could have been Mary and Magdalene and John and Peter arrive at the tomb. They see the linen wrappings there. They believe Christ is risen and they go home. No, the gospel leaves room for each of us to belong in our own way. For one to see and believe, for another to see and leave with uncertainty, and one who needs to hear her name. It's even there with our eyes peeping into the scriptures for those who are just discovering that they belong too. The real puzzle of this scripture lesson this morning is Jesus' directive to Mary not to hold on to him. Wouldn't, if your name had been spoken, wouldn't you be all about getting your arms wrapped around him? And he says, Mary, you just can't hold on to me. 
Who knows exactly what that means, but what we do know is that things can't be the same anymore. When the resurrected Jesus has been present to us, we know he's got things to do and names to call and generations to reach and places to be. And Mary is given her job too. Jesus tells her to go tell the disciples. Her commission on Easter morning is intended to make her the apostle to the apostles. She starts this wonderful madness of sharing the good news. And in doing so, the good news proclaims to us that Jesus is going to his father, who is now our father. I'm going to my God, who is your God. This is big news, because in his ministry, his death, his resurrection and ascension, God is making way for all of humanity to have the same relationship with God that he has. The scripture says, I gave them power to be the children of God. The mission of the Son is to offer those who received him a relationship with God just as the one he has. We belong. It's what Jesus means when he says, where I'm going, you can't go. But I'm going to make a place for you so that when you come again, I'll be ready for you. And you're mine and I'm yours. He's opening his home and his family to us because you and I belong to him. None of us question this morning the power God has over death. We just may wonder where we fit into it. I got a great quote yesterday by a text from Natalie Bol uh, about Natalie Boltzweber, and it says this, Clergy and church workers, here's our yearly reminder. Jesus will rise from the dead even if you forgot to print out the right hymns. Even if the lilies arrived wilted, even if the whole choir got foos poisoning, and I promise that was not true. <laughs> Nothing will keep the stone from rolling away. Nothing. And the quote ends with, you are loved. This is the big news, my friends. The news is that you are loved. Our human understanding or lack thereof does not make any difference to the empty tomb and God's determination for you and I to belong. Hope, real hope, starts today. Christ is alive and among us. And the wonder is that this hope belongs to you and me. You Mary types who need some patience, well, just understand that one of these days when you need it and least expect it, your name will be whispered. You beloved folks who journey with Jesus along the way trying to figure it out, 
thanks be to God for you and for your faithfulness because you're the ones who nurture the church. You Peter types, you brazen believers one day, then coward the next, sticking your foot in your mouth the day after that, and then leading the church. Well, you've got what it takes to change the world. It's no wonder you didn't have the gumption to say anything on Easter morning. What I am certain of is this. None of us will ever live our lives in a way that makes us behave as if we've got it all together. What I'm certain of is we are not likely to believe all the same things nor behave in the same ways because of them. What I do know with confidence is that we belong. We have a place in the heart of God. We are known by name, and this is the gift that we share. We are loved because the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. God of grace and power, we have longed and prepared for this joyous day. On Ash Wednesday, we humbled ourselves before you. On Monday, Thursday, we learned a new commandment. On Good Friday, we cried at the feet of the cross. On Holy Saturday, we kept vigil. And on this blessed Sunday, we rejoice in the risen power of love, hope, and new life. Make your rising real in our lives. Let us be people of love, hope, and belonging. Thanks be to God that we this day belong to you and to each other. In the name of Christ, amen. We're about to receive communion. It goes pretty quickly. What we're going to do, and please know that it doesn't matter what denomination you are from, if you would like to participate in communion, you are most welcome at this table. We'll be passing out the wafers. If you would, please hold them until we all have them, then we'll take it together. If you are gluten intolerant, there are sealed wafers available for you in the trays. We'll take that and then we'll do the cup. But there's another thing I want you to know. When we leave, at the back, there's a four baskets of these little things. It's communion to go. <laughs> Coolest thing ever. Somebody in your world does not belong or doesn't think they do. Take one or two with you and make sure that they have a home too. Thanks be to God from the children of God. Would our ushers please wait upon us? <laughs> 